Hello, my name is Philippe Durand, a professor in the history department at McNeese State University. And I'm Callie Johnston. I'm a graduating student from the history department at McNeese. Welcome to Your Grandma Rocks, where we explore the lives of famous women in history. Welcome and bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Vous écoutez la radio de l'Université McNeese. On the program today, music and history as we retrace the life of a remarkable woman. She was a surrealist painter, feminist, and author in Mexico. Oh, you may be thinking, oh, I know her. That must be Frida Kahlo. But you would be wrong. Today we are talking about... Leonora Carrington. And as a note for our listeners, this show was developed by my co-host, Callie, who is one of my students. So today I am just here to ask the questions. Along the way, we'll explore the Surrealist art movement and sample some songs throughout the decades. We'll start with a surreal song like Leonora's paintings. This is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles. Picture yourself in a boat on a river With tangerine trees and marmalade skies Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly A girl with kaleidoscope
Bonjour and welcome back to Yoburma Rocks. We just listened to LSD by the Beatles. Je m'appelle Philippe Chirin. And I'm Callie. Today we're exploring the life of Leonora Carrington, an artist, feminist, and author. All right, Callie, let's get started. Tell us about her early life. Right. Well, Leonora might be associated with Mexico to some, but she was actually born in Lancashire, England on April 6, 1917, to a Roman Catholic family. Hence the surname Carrington, which doesn't exactly scream Hispanic to me. Yeah. Her father was a wealthy textile maker, and her mother was an Irish woman. She grew up on a farm and listened to the tales of Celtic folklore. This will come into play a little bit later. Okay, so it's safe to say that she was well off financially? Yes, and her education reflected that. She received education from tutors and the Catholic schools. But unfortunately, she was expelled from two of these covent schools because of her rebellious nature with a tendency to daydream in class. Uh Uh-huh, having major flashbacks from some students in my own classes. Either that or their free spirits with a lot of imagination. In fact, her imagination was running so wild that she began to draw. So to set her on the right track, the Carringtons sent young Leonora to Miss Penrose's Academy of Art in Italy. Mrs. Penrose Academy of Art. It almost sounds like something out of Harry Potter. But at least her parents did something right. There is nothing like studying art in Italy. Her father opposed it, but her mother loved the idea. Then, after Leonora returned to England, she was able to attend another art school in 1935 and then transferred to the famous Academy of Fine Arts in London, founded by... You're going to have to say the name for me. That's easy. Amédée aux enfants. Yes, he was an artist that dabbled in cubism. So a far cry from the kind of Renaissance art that she would have seen in Italy then. Yeah, definitely. That's how she was exposed to surrealism on a deeper level. Can you define that school for our listeners? You're the professor here. Uh, Well, Haiti is my specialty, not art history. But, well, basically surrealism, that's an avant-garde style that expresses the creativity of the unconscious mind. Think of something that you might dream of that makes a little to no sense. Like all these melting clocks by Salvador Dali. And as a side note to our listeners in southwest Louisiana, I would highly recommend making a day trip to the Menil Collection in Houston. They have a great collection of surrealist art from the 1920s and 30s, and the museum is free. But anyway, back to Leonore Carrington. How did she get on board with this surrealist movement? She read a book called Surrealism by Herbert Reed with a cover art done by German surrealist Max Ernst. She was inspired by the surrealists who shared a similar story to her, people with creative minds and also a privileged background, people who felt that they were suffocated by society's expectations of them. How old was she? Only 19. I feel about right. It's a time when you want to fit somewhere. You're like a sponge. Well, she was so impressionable that in 1937, she got to meet Max Ernst, who was 47, at a party, and they immediately fell in love. Max Ernst, that would be one of the more famous painters of the Surrealist movement. I did not know much about him, except that he pops up in crossword clues a lot. I did not know that he and Leonora Carrington were saying... You should. And we went to a class field trip to the Houston Museum of Fine Arts. And uh, I showed you a sculpture of that was by him. And uh, we've talked about it. Oops, I should listen to you some more. All right, Carrie Johnson. I mean, <laughs> Callie Johnston, right? Uh, tell us about the love affair between Leonora Carrington, our topic from today, and that artist that I should know a lot more about, Max Ernst. So Ernst 
actually left his wife and uh, he and Leonora settled a year later in southern France. Um, together they began making sculptures of animals, they painted portraits of each other, and uh, Ernst really encouraged her to explore surrealist ideas. Wow, last fall you did another show for me and back then you picked Hildegard of Bingen who was a medieval nun who composed austere church music. And today we're talking about a 19-year-old who becomes the mistress of a man old enough to be her dad. That's quite a change of pace. Anyway, what's next in her life? Then everything came crashing down. In September of 1939, World War II began and Ernst was actually arrested by French authorities and interned because he was considered a hostile alien. Max Ernst being German, as you may have guessed by his name. Max Ernst was later freed, but when the Nazis invaded France in June of 1940, he was arrested again by the German Gestapo. What was the issue? Well, Adolf Hitler viewed German modern art as degenerate art. Only art that showcased racial purity, militarism, and obedience was allowed by Hitler. So he was a German in French eyes and a degenerate artist in German eyes. So did he manage to escape? Yes, with the help of Peggy Guggenheim, who was a famous sponsor of the arts and art collector. I've heard of the Guggenheim Museum. I assume there's a connection there. Yes, and with her help, Ernst was able to escape to America. But there's a twist. Max Ernst left behind Leonora Carrington, and then he married Peggy Guggenheim. Uh Leonora and Ernst never resumed their former relationship. Ouch. How did she respond to this? Not well, I guess? No. Leonora, who was living with family friends in Spain, suffered a mental breakdown. She was institutionalized and administered electro convulsive therapy to manage her episodes, and also pills to induce seizures. At least she wasn't lobotomized like JFK's sister. Shock therapy was a fairly new practice, originating only a few years earlier. Patients suffered from memory loss and confusion as a result. Leonora Carrington hated it, as anyone would. She would eventually be released from the asylum, and her parents chose to send her to a sanatorium in South Africa. Well, England, Italy, France, Spain, and now South Africa. She did come from an affluent background. Well, she wasn't done yet. On her way to South Africa, Leonora met and married Renato Leduc, the Mexican ambassador. It was only a marriage of convenience to get the immunity that a diplomat's wife gets. They later divorced in 1943. So that is where our story takes us to Mexico then? Yes. They spent a year in New York, then went to Mexico where European artists like André Breton and Jacqueline Lamba were already mingling with Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. We did a show on Frida Kahlo a few years back. She also had a fascinating life. So how did Leonora Carrington fit in this crowd? She became greatly successful within the surrealist community in Mexico, receiving generally positive, encouraging words from critics and the public. So what about her personal life? Was it as successful as her professional life? Because so far we've we've seen her go through two relationships and both of them ended poorly. Third time's a charm. She married photographer Ermic Weitz and they had two sons named Pablo and Gabriel. That marriage lasted. She remained married to him until his death at 97 years old in 2007. All right, good to see that she gets to experience some personal happiness at long last. Okay, well, it's time for another musical break. What do you have in store for us? In honor of the strange world of the Surrealists, let's listen to People Are Strange by The Doors. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven When you're down, when you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange, no 
co-host of Your Grandma Rocks, your favorite women's history show on KBYS. Et je suis Philippe Girard, vous écoutez la radio de l'Université McNeese. Today we're exploring the life of Leonora Carrington, whose life story we just heard about. Short version, she was born in England, she was big in the surrealist art world of the interwar period, and then she got exiled to Mexico during World War II. So now tell us about her art in a little bit more detail. She was active in Mexico, right? Yes. Well, she actually went back to New York in the 1960s, but returned to Mexico when she realized how much she loved living there. In 1963, she was commissioned by the National Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City to create a mural titled The Magical World of the Mayas. Ah, oh, that's a great museum if you love pre-Columbian cultures. But I don't remember seeing that mural. So can you tell us more about this piece by Leonard Carrington? Let's get into some art interpretation today on KBYS. She was heavily influenced by her love for Celtic imagery, but she also captured the atmosphere, colors, and heritage of Mexico. The painting is a scene of the Church of San Cristobal de las Casas, which is surrounded by an otherworldly array of creatures. The sky is red and there are sharp, jagged mountains on top of a cliff. Orbs of light and a rainbow are above the land. There is also a green serpent who flies above the church. Wow, that's a lot. Actually, it reminds me a lot of the Mexican flag, the coat of arms of Mexico. That comes from the story of the founding of Mexico City, Tenochtitlan, by the Aztecs. And it also features an eagle perched on a cactus holding a rattlesnake. This painting is definitely one big symbol of religious syncretism between Christianity and Mayan polytheism. You've got gods and goddesses and the Mayan cosmic tree being present amongst these crosses and the church. Syncretism was extremely important in the development of Mexico. In class, we've talked about the church of Tlatelolco, which is built on the ruins of an old Aztec temple in Mexico City. And we also talked about the Virgin of Guadalupe, which also is a church in Mexico City that incorporates old Aztec myth. But I want to know, what really set Leonora Carrington apart from the other surrealists of her time? Well, for one, she was a woman. She was interested in sexuality as she experienced it, something that did not reflect the traditional view of women as being subservient to men. 
You mean that she was not creating art for the male gaze, alluring young female news, right? Definitely not. She was creating art for herself. In her 1938 painting, Self Portrait, Leonora depicts her own sexuality. She sits on a blue chair, fully clothed, with unkempt hair. All right, I just pulled that one up too. Wait, what is that weird animal that her hand is reaching out to? I believe this is a hyena. It is a hyena, a female one too. Sorry, back to the female gaze that went straight for the boobs. It's another symbol in her work. It's a symbol of duality of male and female. The whole painting explores the concept of duality of self and being an observer of yourself. Well, that definitely fits in with the surrealist school. I also see a couple jumping horses there in the back. Yes, she liked horses too. Leonora also loved nature and a woman's role in nature. She was fascinated with alchemy, magical realism, myths, and motherhood. Her art definitely reminds me of Frida Kahlo's famous self-portraits. So would you describe her as a surrealist, but also a feminist in the same way? Yes, definitely. In 1973, Leonora designed a poster for the women's liberation movement in Mexico. This poster was called The Women of Conscience. It depicts Adam and Eve as female figures. Pulling it up now. So that's the greenish-looking one, right? Right. So the two women facing each other, they're supposed to be Adam and Eve, you say? Yes. So notice that they give each other an apple, a reciprocal gift of wisdom. Leonora spoke about women having a connection to the natural world and having legendary powers. She called for women to take back rights that belong to them. She became involved in politics, following the idea that negative mindsets and trauma can never be solved until political freedom is reached. So the idea that someone will never be truly free of their traumatic childhoods until they are no longer oppressed and can actually move on. Yes. She actually won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Women's Caucus for Art Convention in New York in 1986. She famously claimed, I didn't have time to be anyone's muse. I was too busy rebelling against my family and learning to be an artist. Wow, we're a long way from another show that we did on KBYS about Constance Cugnot, who was a model in late 19th century France. That woman was mostly known for posing nude for a very controversial painting by Gustave Courbet. It's called The Origin of the World, if you know what I mean. 100% male gaze. She rejected the idea of the femme enfant, the idea that women were childlike and needed guidance. Now, let's take another break and listen to a feminist anthem. This is Cherry Bomb by The Runaways.
Bonjour à tous and welcome back to Your Grammar Rocks on KBYS. Je suis Philippe Girard. And I'm Callie. Today we're covering the life of Leonora Carrington, the English slash Mexican surrealist. We just discussed her art and her feminist ideas. So now let's talk about her writing. You told us that she was a writer, right? Yeah. In 1944, she wrote down below a memoir that told the story of her time at the asylum. It normalized her mental illness and follows how she was able to rationalize this experience and find clarity. Wow, talking openly about one's mental health issues. It's become standard nowadays, but it was normally the kind of thing that people hid under the carpet back in the 40s. Yeah, more commonly they wrote something like, the children's short stories that she wrote in a book called The Milk of Dreams. It was about a terrible boy who, despite being the most handsome boy in his town, he befriended a crocodile and the two became the most unpleasant pair. The Dorothy Project published all of her short stories from the 1930s to the 1970s. Not all of these were for children, though. They were often critiques of society. A famous story, The Debutant, it tells the story of a hyena who rips the face off of a housemaid and gives it to the debutant to wear in order for her to be someone else and not have to fulfill her societal obligations. The hyena again? That's a strange spirit animal to pick. Hyenas are usually mocked and unloved. Maybe... It was a symbol of rebellion and rejection of social norms for her, perhaps? And it was definitely also a reflection of her own rebellion. She wrote another book, The Hearing Trumpet, that tells us the story of an old, hard-of-hearing woman and her friends. It deals with the idea of aging and the female body. The woman, Muriel, also learns that her family plans on institutionalizing her. Like her paintings, some of Leonora's books reflected her real life. This book also criticizes the shaming of the nude female body. Especially the old female body. Our society reveres youth and beauty, and so does our art. Old flappy turkey necks? Not so much in art. She was certainly a rebellious feminist through and through. Let's take a look at another song that Leonora might have listened to. This is Bazaar by Flans.
You're listening to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS. I'm Callie. Et je suis Philippe Girard. Today we are retracing the life of Mexican slash English surrealist Leonora Carrington. We covered her life, her aunt, and her writing. Now let's talk about her legacy. So unfortunately, she died in 2011 at the age of 94 due to complications from pneumonia in a hospital in Mexico City. So she outlived Frida Kahlo by quite a bit. Has she also enjoyed a renaissance lately? Because I know Frida Kahlo has really blown up in the art world recently. Yes, her paintings fetch upwards of a million dollars nowadays. So I take it that she just enjoyed her time in retirement, if you will, just cashing in? She spent a lot of time thinking about life and art. She talked about how after nine decades of trying to figure it all out, she discovered that we were just merely naked apes who knew little about life and even less about death. She's also credited with being a female pioneer in the world of surrealism, a world that was dominated by masculine ideas. She brought a woman's perspective to an expressive art movement and outlined that a woman was not merely a muse for the male artist. Well, that's interesting, but we are out of time, so we will have to leave it here, unfortunately. Anyway... That was quite a life. We're glad we could share it with you. This program was funded by a Juliet Hartner Grant for Women in the Humanities. For more information on how to help finance fellowships at McNeese, contact the foundation at 337-475-5588. And this program was also sponsored by the History Department at McNeese. Thank you and goodbye. Merci et au revoir. There ain't no one for to give you no pain.